Hello, everyone, and welcome to another bonus edition of Game & Word, recorded at GDC 2022 in San Francisco. Today, I have with me Chris Smith, a chief economist at Metanomic, a company that automates economics and games. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you want to elaborate on that, Chris, uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. So I'm uh, Chris. I'm the chief economist at Metanomic. What we do is we consider ourselves the first runtime autonomous economy engine. So what we we specialize in is essentially trivializing the amount of time that a game designer spends designing their economy. We try to take the boring stuff out of game design and uh, handle all the calculations and stuff that they would need to do. Do you know, like on average, how the designer saves? So, so it, it depends on the uh, genre and the type of studio, obviously. So if you're talking about a giant AAA studio, uh, you're potentially, cons- you know, talking about, I would say, two to three man hours a day for 18 months. Uh, if you're talking about a smaller game, maybe an indie, you're probably still talking about three to four months of uh, a game designer's time. Mm-hmm. So we, we like to think that we cut out a lot of that. Yeah, game economists uh, seem to be a Pretty rare breed. I know I was str- I was really struggling to find a source that was knowledgeable in both areas for this piece. <laughs> How did a path to your current position <laughs> look like? Yeah, my background is actually as a PhD in economics. I originally, in my undergrad, I, I loved video games, so I was trying to study video game economies in, in an academic setting. And then I ended up going on to do a PhD, and I started to study more hardcore economics topics like labor, market discrimination, transportation, uh, these kind of classic econ topics. Well, transportation's not necessarily a classic econ topic. But because of my undergraduate work, I ended up having a guy, the CEO of Metanomic, Theo Priest, reach out to me just randomly and he was like hey do you want to come design a video game economy and i was like oh, that sounds cool enough so yeah i'll do some consulting work what it ended up you know becoming is is metanomic we ended up designing on accident a tool that could be used for any economy not just a large mmorpg mm-hmm. uh, so that's how i got here i had all the training and and fortunately the interest to perfect fit for this type of position and to what extent do the game economies function I guess like for lack of a better term like like irl economies? So that, that's a really good question. And I think it's going to become a more popular question to be answered in an academic setting. I know personally prominent economists who are interested in studying digital economies, particularly video game economies. So it, it obviously depends on the game. But in terms of the fundamentals of economics, you think about classic law of supply and demand. Those are all we see all of those in these digital economies. Which is interesting because we think of digital economies as these like free range, infinite scalability. You can do whatever you want. There's no limit. There are limitations in these digital environments and they replicate those that we see in the real world. And so that's why we see similar economic phenomenon in video game environments than we would in real life. Yeah, an example of that uh, would be, I guess, like what we would call like like a bubble. How often do you see that? So so bubbles are, are very common in MMORPGs. Sometimes, though, they're driven by open information speculation. So where people know what's going on, people know why these bubbles are forming. Whereas in the real world, we don't have anywhere near as much information as we do in video games. So it's hard for us to know whether something's a bubble or something is actually, that's the real value. Uh, that That's to me, one of the great liberating things about digital economies is the openness of information. There's no longer these hardcore asymmetries in information. So I know if I'm buying this bubble asset or something like that. Mm-hmm. And what extent do you think that affects the usefulness of looking at digital economies as a way to like better understand or even predict an IRL economy? So that was actually one of the reasons I started studying video game in undergrad. One of the reasons I was interested was 
if we can find an environment that is controlled, that is experimental, that replicates human behavior in real life, why can't we run an experiment in the digital economy and predict the outcome that would happen? Let's raise the minimum wage. Let's lower interest rates. Things like this that economists are toying with all the time, trying to bashing their heads against the wall. Run experiments. So that to me is the direct application. Got it. Um, so uh, in your talk today, you mentioned now a lot of things like labor markets and uh, tech growth was another one. Would you mind uh, giving a quick kind of rundown for our listeners? Yeah. So my background in my PhD, I've actually, my dissertation is focused on labor market topics, labor market discrimination, particularly racial discrimination in the labor force, uh, transportation discrimination. I've looked at the hierarchy, the structure within a, in a firm. It, it, what this comes back to is essentially workers trade off on, do I want to take job A, job B, or live on unemployment benefits or something like that. These options, job A, job B, are exactly, they're analogous to the types of choices that people make in a video game economy. Do I want to become a lawyer or do I want to become a banker? Do I want to become a mage or do I want to become an assassin or something like that? Uh, so in that way, those labor market decisions are very similar. For technological growth, I, I talked about this in the, in the talk, but that's what video game economies are. They're the exploration of technological growth to the nth degree, power level, leveling up, like statistics. Everybody just loves becoming better. And that's what economies do. They become better over time. It's just much slower and more boring. What are like some interesting times that really illustrates like what we're talking about? So I, I bring this example up all the time. One of the things that I think does a really good job at exploring technological growth is actually Minecraft's economy. You're constantly upgrading your pickaxe to the next level, and then eventually you're, you know, enchanting it and stuff like that. So there's this, there's this efficiency thing. You're constantly increasing your output uh, by increasing your technological, you know, capacity. And and yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right on. How can economic theory help people design better video games or game economies? I think that there are two answers to this. The first one is a philosophical one. Using economic intuition to drive your decisions as an as a game economist. But what I mean by that is you can, if you know about certain economic principles, you should be able to predict what's going to happen. So I talk to a lot of potential clients that are, they're like, this thing ended up happening. And I'm like, you know, that this is the mechanism that caused that. And they go, oh, or I'll be, you know, predictive. And I'll say, the mechanism that you've built here has a, has an expiration date. And they'll say, no, it doesn't. It says there actually is you wouldn't know it if you didn't know economic theory or at least economic intuition. That's the philosophical answer. The, the more technical answer is just a better understanding of mathematics, a better understanding of algorithmic thinking would really benefit simulating environments and stuff like that. Yeah. And do, oh, I lost my train of thought. All right. I'm yeah, going to go back to it. What are, so as far as, so I'm kind of moving away from MMOs or like, or oh, multiplayer sandbox mm -hmm. games and say you take a game, I don't know, like, like Tropico, right. you know, where it's, uh, it's a simulated economy, but it's like completely, it's an experiment, like yeah. in just in the truest uh, sense of the term. Uh, which games uh, do you think like really are the best? Obviously, there's like the civilization games. But in terms of simulating an economy and, and doing it really well, not a lot of games have explored economics as a gameplay mechanic, in my opinion. And I'd be curious to hear if there are games that people can think of. I was speaking with someone today who was interested in running kind of a game where the player is actually the god character or the government who's designing the environment that little agents behave in mm -hmm. to see what the economic outcome is. So 
I actually think it's a potentially an understudied, underutilized gameplay mechanic, if mm-hmm. it, that makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever played a Port Royale, like any of those? Port Royale? I don't think so. So that's a series of trading simulators set in the in the Pirate Age Caribbean. Okay. Right? okay. And so, yeah, a lot of buy low, sell high, plunder a ship or two on the way, yeah. right? So I'm actually, I'm an avid board gamer. My, I would say that I played, I spend a lot of time on board games. So that's my, my bread and butter and board games do a really good job at exploring economic phenomenon. This question of buy low, sell high, stuff like that, of controlling the supply, understanding what uh, is going to happen two turns from now. And so that's where I draw some of my, my, so I'm, I'm always interested in learning about video games that do what, what a board game does in a video game set. Or I remembered. The question from her. Okay, sweet. All right. Well, what kind of misconceptions or maybe faulty assumptions do you see recurring a lot, like with game designers when trying to design? Game designers are startlingly good at making video games, like, or or making economies. Like, they don't even know how good they are, actually, is my view. But I, and I want to preface this by saying there are some incredibly phenomenal game economists out there, and I don't want to, you know, undercut those people. But on average, the uh, mistakes that are made are really comes down to one thing, and it's not giving yourself control for the future. You design this mechanism that in theory works, but once it actually gets going, it runs out of control and you have no no way to control it. Mm-hmm. Economists are constantly, they have a thousand levers they can pull when things go awry. So that's to me like the rookie mistake, if you will. Got it. So we've been talking about, like, we could talk about purely simulated digital economies, you have like MMOs, and then you have the quote-unquote IRL economies. What are you, what do you think are some of the most kind of like recurring like things that they share? And also like where do they like, where do they differ in certain key ways? So I'll start with where they differ because that's the easier question. They differ in the way that, and I was just talking to a guy about this, uh, in real life, it takes you a long time to accrue capital. It takes me a long time to earn a wage. It takes me a long time to buy a car. All of these things are spread out over a massive, relatively speaking, with in terms of my lifespan, a massive amount of time. And in video games, you don't have the luxury as a game designer to spend that much time. So there's this natural sink, or, or sorry, faucet. The faucet in real life is super slow. It's a trickle. In video game economies, the faucet has to be faster in order to keep players engaged. There has to be more reward in the environment to keep that. And just, uh, just, uh, to, just for our listeners, oh, when you yeah. say the faucet. Yeah. So the faucet is basically injecting resources, injecting rewards into your environment and how quickly that is. And then a sink is basically what do players spend that reward on? How do they get rid of those resources? And how, is that a fun process? So typically we like to make those faucets or the, the sinks fun. That's the critical thing. So, yeah, that's what I mean by the big difference is that there's a trickling faucet in real life and a flowing faucet right. in a digital economy. And then what is similar about them? That goes back to the labor markets and, and uh, technological growth argument that I was making, where there are fully fledged labor markets within video games. And actually, this is a research uh, project that, that I'm considering taking on with uh, one of my mentors is really looking at What's the best economic model to study a video game economy behavior by the players in the economy? Is it a labor market? Is it a trade market? Is it a clubs market or something like that? For the listeners, you can Google that. I won't (laughs) go into that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, say, where would you recommend, say someone's like interested in in economic theory, but maybe feels a bit intimidated by it? Yeah. Where do you think, where would you suggest that they start? 
Yeah. So I would say because I have an experimental, sort of a, an experimental background, I've got to recommend the classic like Freakonomics, Predictably Irrational, Freakonomics, I forget who that, I'm, I'm a terrible economist for forgetting who that's by, <laughs> but uh, Predictably Irrational is by Dan Ariely. Those are some poppy books. Those are more about human behavior than actually theory or than focused on theory. In terms of some cool literature, Ted Castronova is an awesome economist who in the early, the late 90s, early 2000s, he started to really academically look at these digital economies. So that's a really good place to start. And his stuff is very accessible. Great. And I know your specialty is in, is in like class, neoclassical economics. I was wondering what your thoughts are, let's say like in behavioral economics and neuroeconomics, like applied towards designing. Yeah. I mean, that I could talk about that for hours. I actually, I went into the PhD with the intent to become a behavioral economist. I wanted to study these, I wanted to use experiments to study anomalous human behavior or in, in terms of the theory, anomalous behavior that to us as a neoclassical economist doesn't make any sense. The, the beautiful thing about video games and the thing that the disconnect between video game uh, theory and economic theory is that video game theory understands the power of lore, the power of storytelling and the role that plays in the economy. So from a behavioral standpoint, um, behavioralists are always trying to measure unmeasurable things or seemingly unmeasurable things. I wrote a paper in my undergrad actually about, it was a zero price paper. And it was basically looking at the, the cost of something that's free. <laughs> and I found that I called the cost of something that's free, the moral cost, the cost of, of taking it from someone. So there's this feature, this thing that's unmeasurable from, or not important from an economist, a classical economist perspective, but really important and relevant to a video game designer and, and to a behavioral economist. And great. I think that's about it for my, yeah. for my questions. Uh, if you want to, if you have any pluggables you want to plug, well, now's the time. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, obviously, uh, check out Metanomic Limited. We have a Twitter. We have a LinkedIn. We have a website. We're going to have a new website coming up soon. Uh, so metanomic and we have an mvp coming out in about four months and so we're yeah very excited and and reach out if you're interested all right wonderful all right thank you chris and uh thank you all for listening uh if you haven't already please be sure to subscribe at gameandword.substack.com this is jay rooney recording live from san francisco have a good day